0: Self-care, soul care,
1: book care.
0: It's time to celebrate life. Hello,
1: good people. And welcome to another episode of Books and Bubbles. I am Brianna. And I'm Brittany. Here at Books and Bubbles, we read and review books by black and brown authors across the world. And in the process of doing that, we also indulge in a little black and brown created bubbly. Mm. So we are back. We are excited. It is the March episode. How is it March? I don't know. How is it like mid to end March at that?
0: But it is Women's History Month. So that's dope, 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 dope,
1: dope, dope. So okay. we are here, and we're excited, and we're back, and we want to dive into some self care, soul care, and book care. Mm. Anything you want to talk about before we jump in?
0: I don't know. It's March. It's Women's History Month. Somebody just submitted her dissertation draft.
1: Woo! Good people. I'm soon to be a
0: doctor, trying to be like my sister with some title itch. So I'm
1: excited. Exciting. It's big spring break though, so I'm horizon. leaning in on that.
0: I'm leaning on spring break.
1: Yeah. So I'm excited because that means traffic will be a little better than normal. Okay. But, um, <laughs> These adult. <laughs> but, you know, I don't work on the school board, so... <laughs> I'm not affected by spring break, okay. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But we're back. So I guess we're we'll, back. we'll jump in. Um, but before we start talking about our tips, we do want to remind you that we are still partnering with Drizzly. Mm. Drizzly is an online service um, that delivers beer, wine, and yep. liquor to your door. Let's and get, get, Less get than 60 minutes. There are some instances where you can order ahead and plan for delivery if you have know that you day. have a special event coming up. So the Drizzly link will be in our description box. Please click on that. If you're a first-time user, then you will get money off your first purchase. Get money, money, get um, money. So money. use our link and use Drizzly. Drizzly is a great service. We've both used it before. Um, super, super um convenient, reliable, and quick. So use Drizzly and our link will be in the description. If you are not following us on our social media platforms, our Instagram and Facebook pages, both names also will be in our description. Please follow us. We have tips, pictures, Mm -hmm. events, quotes, inspirational things that go on and are posted multiple times through the week. So please follow us. Keep in touch with us. We will also announce special events um, and lives that we have coming up. Yes. Yes. Oh, and speaking of, so we did go live. We mentioned great. that our last episode. Yes, it was great. So the live is still on our page. So if you didn't get a chance to see it, um, you can still go back and watch it. So we had a great time. Um, we spoke with the author. She, We did a book giveaway. So unfortunately, that is closed now. We did pick a winner.
0: Yes. You gotta, um, y'all got to come in quick and be ready. So exactly. It can be you but if you were following our social
1: media, you would have known. You would have been able to enter. Um, So you can read her wonderful book. Shout out to
0: Agnes Kay,
1: who was our sponsored
0: author. Um, You definitely can see her social media handle um, on our page.
1: Yep. So great things. Um, So please go back and watch that if you have not. Uh, And if you've missed any episodes, this is a great chance to go back and listen to those as well yes so we are here and so let's get into these self-care soul care and book care tips that we go through every episode this is just a quick tip to help motivate you through the remainder of this month motivate,
0: motivate. um yes motivate. so you if
1: you follow our social media you'll get even more tips Mm. So our self-care tip is going to be start taking compliments like a champ. Mm. Yes. How many times has somebody told you you look nice? Your outfit's nice. Your hair looks nice. You do this really well. And you're like, oh, no, I don't. No, I don't. We have to learn to take those compliments. So instead of responding by denying or putting yourself down, instead, accept it and say thank you. It's not as challenging as you think, and you it'll make you feel great about yourself in the process. So take those compliments like a champ. You don't have to put yourself down to make others feel better. You can accept those compliments. Um, and even if you feel like somebody's saying it to be spiteful, make them, you know, boo-boo on your shoes. Okay. Thank you. Okay, boo-boo. Even if you didn't mean it, thank you. Because I know that to be true. So start taking those compliments like a champ. That was our self-care tip. And so our soul care tip is going to be affirmations. Mm. So there's so many great affirmations Affirm that you can yourself. say. Affirm yourself. Yes. Everybody likes to talk about manifestation these days. Um and so I think that falls into that are going to be positive affirmations. Speaking things um, about yourself, about your future, about your family, about your um, you know, things that you're aspiring to do. Say those things out loud to really help you form habits to help these things come into fruition. This is
0: so true. Quick yes. plug. So I'm writing my dissertation and frequently I think, why am I doing this? I'm
1: insane.
0: It's too much. So my husband was like, you need to go back to your Howard days, of like putting posters and stuff everywhere. So I got my dry erase marker. I took a mirror down from the wall and I just filled it with like affirm affirming things, scriptures, little prayers. I wrote it on my big mirror um, and we made, like little signs and put them like around the kitchen area where I write. Um, And every time in the morning I get up, I read them. When I'm writing, I'm like, oh, I like read them. So there, it's really powerful to put yourself in a place where when you want to stop or you want to think those negative thoughts, especially those who are a little more prone to them, that is like, nope, mm-mm, check yourself, check yourself, check yourself. So it is powerful to do if you've never done it.
1: Yes. So what are some examples of affirmations? One, I am blessed with unique Talents. I deserve to be where I am. I belong in this space. I have enough courage to do anything I want. I choose a life full of richness and positivity. My world makes a difference. I am intelligent and successful. I am worthy of financial security. I am filled with talent and creativity. I trust my journey. I can do hard things. So those are just A couple examples of all the positive things that you can say to yourself, affirm, have a routine when you're waking up and saying these things. You know, if you're going through a tough time, like Brittany said, you can write these things and post them that you can see. I know I access my planner every day. So that's a great place to put Mm -hmm. affirmations, you know, wherever you're going to see them, wherever you're going to say them and allow it to become a mantra for you. I've seen people do this with their kids. I mean, it's great. Affirmations are great. So do it. And
0: actually, I forgot to say this shout out to Yvonne Orgy. When I started writing my affirmations, if you got bamboozled by Jesus, at the very end, she has a list of the affirmations that she says. I literally started with those and I like Mm. plugged some of them out, the ones that spoke to me. So I will say it's okay to borrow someone else's, yeah. Um, and I absolutely love that part of her book, and that's where I started my affirmations,
1: yes. So I mean, you're not copying those things, you're saying them about yourself, so there's nothing wrong with. Taking someone else's affirmations or affirmations that you find online that you feel like you also want to say to yourself. Mm-hmm. So affirm yourself, affirm yourself. Okay. And our book care tip. Um, so if you're looking for creative ways to increase the amount of books that you read per increase, year, increase per increase. month. These are just a couple tips that I'll give out to assist with that. So if you're not a really a big reader at all, but you want to start reading, a great way place to start would be to start with something easy mm-hmm. and fluid. Um, So if you're new to reading or if you're reading, um, you know, it's been a while since you're really in the routine of reading. If you pick a book, which is easy and flowy, it will be much easier for you to get into reading again. Um, So that's a good kind of first step. Another tip would be read what you like, but also try variety. So if you enjoy romance, then read romance. If you enjoy nonfiction, read nonfiction. But it's also a great chance to like switch it up a little bit. Yeah. So if you like romance, maybe you could do like. A romance mystery, like a combo type um, genre where you're getting Very a little true. bit of each. Expose yourself to another genre that you may be missing because it's not something that you tried before.
0: Yeah. I would say Books and Bubbles has done it for me. I am a leisure romance reader all day because I read deep stuff mm-hmm. for school and work. So I would say I've enjoyed it. A lot of our like mysteries and just traditional fictions and even some of the non-fictions so I would say just doing this podcast has stretched what I would normally read because, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, no, it's been, like, good. Some of my favorite books so far have been, like, out of my usual yeah, genre. Yeah, things
1: that you would have never really read had it not been for this podcast. So, yeah, for sure. Um, And our last tip would be try different reading mediums. So we talk about this a lot, but, you know, hard books, books that are tangible aren't the only thing that we can do nowadays. So... Audiobooks, you can read on tablets mm-hmm. things like that there are different ways that you can get into books so those are really great book tips and those are our tips for this episode hope you enjoy them and you'll put some of them into practice yes. for the remainder of this month until we meet again until we meet so that's all our announcements that's all our tips so we might as well go ahead and get into this come on now we're excited for acb's book mm. and y'all know what time it is oh
0: do you know what time it is
1: do you know do you know do you know do you know it i can't even y'all the way she just looked I at just me so <laughs> like i was gonna go into i didn't know what was happening i didn't just... That was it. The I was Dina, so taken
0: aback by I just was staring. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. I was very engrossed Such in that I just
1: <laughs> Okay. Okay. It's bubble time.
0: Bubbles. Mm 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 bubbles. Mm 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 bubbles.
1: Okay, so our featured bubbly for this month, if you remember from our last episode, we will be drinking the Mango Scotto by Earl Stevens, Mm. a.k.a. AKA E-40.
0: Go dumb, dumb.
1: Yes, so this sweet aroma. Okay, Okay. wait, let me.
0: I'm sorry. Let me. Let me go back a second. Prepare yourself. This sweet
1: aroma of mango jumps out of the glass with this wine. Even served over ice, the subtle aromas of citrus and apple show up. The flavor is lightly sweet but crisp. Crisp okay. Okay. and refreshing at the same time. The flavors of ripe mango and other fruit play gently on the palate. The wine has a strong finish, and the 18% make it all worthwhile. So I'm gonna take my first sip on, okay. on Mike. I'll tell you one thing. It's eighteen mm. <laughs> percent.
0: It's a, okay, Earl. Okay, let me say about E forty. He didn't want to just make a liquor. regular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Earl. Literally, I'm buzzed. I'm just like, why do I feel? Ooh. And I looked at the bottle. And I'm like, it's such a strong. It's like sweet and liquor. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, it's very this, strong. It's very much Eighteen percent.
0: This is a rapper's wine. This is not Thank for you. your cute little charcuterie board. Um, just sipping on the couch, Maybe This for bit. This bit bit drink.
1: Yeah, Beat so if you're trying to, if you want to get buzzed, <laughs> yeah. and you, you know how like people are like, oh, wines don't take me there, this will take you
0: there. <sighs> yeah, I I didn't eat a lot. I need a snack. Um yeah, clearly. This 18%, I'm just like, mmm. Y'all,
1: you know how you get tingly after you have your first glass?
0: <laughs> I think that's why I just was staring at her while she Thank was thinking, you know. I, like, I just okay, was this stuck. Is,
1: this is 18%. <laughs> this is strong. It's good though, so it's a mango scotto. It's not
0: bad at all, the but mango it's definitely the strongest wine yeah. we've had. The and I thought Snoops not too was overpowering. Strong. But yeah, it's 18. Might as well have taken a shot, baby.
1: The mango is not too overpowering, but you definitely taste it. So if you're like me and you're not a huge mango fan, you may still like it. So try it. I do get a little bit of the apple flavor. Do you? A little bit. A lot of times I
0: think you made this stuff up.
1: <laughs> I don't. I get a little bit of apple. Let me taste
0: again to see if you made this up.
1: We're not drinking it cold. I will say it's like a little cold in the room temperature. You don't they smack a little it a lot? It's a little apple. It's a little
0: apple. Now I just felt like them weird people that make them sounds in the mic.
1: Okay. ASMR. It's, she thinks it's so weird. It's I'm just like very strange. I group. try
0: not to judge on this public platform because some of y'all might it's be not. into it. But it's strange to me.
1: But the Mango Scotto good. So I picked it up from Total Wine today. Baby, it's not for me. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like $20 and change. Yeah. With like tax. So it's definitely very much affordable. Um it's like a strong lot strong and his sweet. Collection. That's what throws me off. Yeah. A lot of his collection is available at Total Wine. Um, you can also go on Earl Stevens And he's
0: always dropping new flavors. I think he just dropped like a orange something. Yeah, so
1: there's a tropiscato, which is like a now tropical E40. flavor. It's
0: just not my favorite flavor, but I think you yeah, it's worth the try. Yeah. So and he does he have so a many regular different Moscato. Ones. Yeah, that might so be. So if, for if me. the
1: fruit is like a lot for you, he does have a regular Moscato and he has a function red blend. Um, I've also seen cotton candy. I don't see it on his website right now, but I've seen somebody pick that up. And he has like a champagne something. Yeah. So this is definitely for those wine drinkers who are like, I don't know, wine's a lot for me, and they need like a introduction, and they want a fruity wine. Earl did this for y'all.
0: Yeah, I respect Earl. Yeah. So it's good. Earl getting this money.
1: Thank you. Support Earl. He also has a Prosecco. Y'all see my dog.
0: Yeah, really. I think a Prosecco would be for me because I'm do. a big Prosecco fan.
1: So support Earl Stevens in his variety of flavors, bottled in Napa. Look at this rapper doing other things um, besides music and branching out and having a really good product. And he looks like he's doing this kind of like as the owner, not, not necessarily collaborating with anybody. So that's also very exciting. Um, a lot of people do this in the collaboration space. And this is the Earl Stevens selection. So. Very exciting and I think it's definitely good. You're gonna be buzzed. We have baby glasses and I feel a type of word. Mm-hmm. It's real. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that is our wine for function this episode. Function must be very much a
0: bay word. Because it's function? like, I'm just out here trying to function. Yeah. Yeah. Because it says bring this to your next function. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the bay. Mm. Going to state warriors.
1: Yeah. Because he
0: stayed at the, uh, going, going to the state, state games. Oh do he? Yeah he stayed at the warriors games.
1: Jesus Christ had dress, so shake them. I ain't had none, but I'm planning on growing some. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, let's get into the book. <laughs> Y'all, I was watching um, Southside uh, okay. yesterday, yeah, and in the episode on season two where the man, like, was all bald up here. He only had the dress on the outside.
0: I can't do this And he right was now. like, Jesus Christ had dress, so shake him
1: shake them <laughs> I was like I can't if
0: you've never watched Southside on HBO you are missing out <laughs> it's, it's a most random show but it's so
1: funny so funny <laughs> and I'm sure if I was from Chicago I would, it would it like it was like flail exactly but it's funny just some things being black like, okay I don't really understand because it's like very much to the culture of black Chicago so I like, like that how authentic it is yeah so I don't fully get those references but it's hilarious yeah being black is being black no matter where you live yeah. so it's very funny I love it. So this month, if you remember, we're still, we're reading or reread, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. So I wasn't sure what to expect coming into this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, we obviously read Synopsis, but we try, I try. And I think Brittany similarly, you know, we don't know that much about the book when we start. Um, but we try to kind of give it a fair chance. Mm-hmm. And when we listen is when we truly... um delve into the details of the book and try not to give it too much thought ahead of time. So I'm pleasantly surprised by Austin Channing Brown's book. It was definitely more a, like, memoir. Memoir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she kind of talks about her experiences in America and then ties that all into her kind of current role as a, I guess like a program organizer yeah. for race uh, racial um, kind of issues. She puts on workshops to help People kind of understand more the racism and how they could put possibly be aiding um, in continuing the perpetuation of racism. So she puts on these workshops, and so she kind of very eloquently speaks about a lot of the terminology that we think of that comes with white racism and white fragility and all those types of things. So I really enjoyed the book. What yeah. are your kind of initial thoughts? about
0: everything I, i'm always hesitant with nonfiction because it's not my genre of choice it just always remind me of like work when i say this book served me my entire life yes. snatched my edges literally my experience i feel like my whole life until ooh, grad school was austin channing browns like growing up in these very white spaces mm-hmm. even when she talked about like, the christian music they play like their chapel mm-hmm. type thing um just the white teachers, the white kids, um, going into the black spaces and being like, this is so different. I know blackness at home, but nowhere else. Yeah. Um, having your first black teacher really be like your professor. So I loved it. I was like, when I say, I know my husband was like, what are you listening to? Because I'm literally like, mm-hmm, mm yes, mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'm literally like testifying as I'm like doing dishes mm-hmm. and listening to her. I'm like, girl, preach, say it. Don't they be out of order? So yeah, whole life. Whole life, I'm just like I need to call her and be like, "Girl, thank
1: you." I loved it. So I have since followed her on Instagram. So if you have not, please follow yeah Austin on Instagram. So you know it's a memoir, so there's you know the typical structure that we have characters and things like that. You know we don't have, so we're probably gonna. Brittany's gonna give like a little bit of summary mm-hmm. um, of the book, and then we'll just kind of jump into some questions and give our thoughts on different things. So let's ah, go. Cool. All right, so Austin Channing Brown is her memoir. She starts off like herself as a kid.
0: She talks about like the school she goes to, I think Toledo is where she grows up. I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's Toledo. And pretty much her family like talks about God, but they don't really go to church as much or whatever. Um, But her school is white. You know, she talks about having like black experiences at home and shows they're watching music. But when she's at school, she realizes this is a very different experience that she has mm-hmm. really when her parents divorce is when she gets a lot more exposure outside of the home to black culture because her mom moves to Cleveland Cleveland is extra black so she has like these camps she goes to she's like oh and she kind of feels like an outsider like of too white mm-hmm. for the black kids and too black for the white kids or so her trying to find her sense of like identity and still being herself and true to herself and figure out like the songs and the music which is so different. And so she starts to talk about these experiences and how her childhood and upbringing kind of shapes who she is. She talks about Christianity a lot, which I was surprised. I didn't know that was like going to be a part of her story. So her dad remarries. I guess this new woman that she's married, he's married to church becomes a thing. So now she has like this exposure to like the black church experience, and she falls in love. Like, oh, black Jesus is mm-hmm. everything um and just like learning christianity from like a different lens she then talks about experiences she has in high school she was like a catholic high school mm-hmm. which was a lot more diverse um and how her bubbles kind of burst when it's time to apply for school <laughs> all of a sudden it was like oh um what is it called? affirmative action yeah. and then going into college having like a black professor and then she goes into like how she felt like real fight the power and then when the the real world and all of the microaggressions pour it back in. So Mm -hmm. very interesting because a lot of the spaces she refers to are Christian spaces. So, Mm -hmm. so much, so many layers to unpack in this book.
1: Yes. So like Brittany said, it was just kind of her experiences growing up in Ohio um, and how that really shaped her, you know, future Mm -hmm. and what that would look like when she got to college and had this experience when they went to that Sankofa trip. So, Yeah, there are definitely that was a very impactful thing for her. So we'll go ahead and get into the um, questions. So the the memoir was published in 2018, which I didn't realize until I finished. Mm -hmm. Um, And so much has changed in the world since that book is since since that book has been published. Um, But obviously these things are still very relevant. Do you think there would have been any changes had she wrote that book this year? So, you know, obviously the whole George Floyd thing and how that happened within the last, you know, year or so and what. I don't know if it was a true big impact. It was a big impact for us as black Americans. I don't know what the lasting impact will be on um, white Americans. But how do you feel like her book, if at all, would have changed?
0: I don't know if it would change because she, t- her, the big event she talks about is Ferguson mm-hmm. and how it took the news a little bit. And they was in full protest by the time the news come, how the police show up in tanks and everything else. That's how they were showing up um, to George Floyd. Mm-hmm. I think George Floyd is on a bigger scale. Like, let you see protests in Europe. It was the first time I personally joined, like, a protest. Mm-hmm. Um, so summer 2020 was huge. It impacts, like, the elections. Um, she talks about Obama being, like, the first black president and then you know now we have Kamala Harris and you know first black black VP woman so I think you're having the same political issues and things that happen but at the end of the day we're still fighting so I think if she would have wrote it two three years later it just would have been different characters Mm -hmm. I don't think it would be that different I think she'd just be saying yes and George Floyd and Kamala Harris instead of Obama and Ferguson yeah I don't know how much would have changed even when she talks about like Dylan Roof, you know, shooting up the church, um, we've had major incidents and stuff. Then too. So I just feel like the characters change. The players change, not anything. Um, all of the big picture issues are still there because we're still fighting for policy. Yeah. As much as we did, we the George Floyd act is pretty much off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, police brutality still exists. Um, we haven't had anything that's super huge, but those episodes still pop up, so I don't think much would have changed.
1: Agree. Yeah. I think like Brittany said, she those stories would have definitely been included, but um her approach, her overall message would not have changed. Mm-mm. Um she would have just had to include those yeah. things. And I I do wonder though, because everybody was like all of a sudden touched as if they had never seen these issues <laughs> before, did her demand for these workshops increase during that time? Mm. Um, did she feel like there was more, um, were they more receptive to her message? Um, you know, what her kind of thoughts were about how that's changed that space. I think a lot of companies have kind of, although very surface have kind of like forced this conversation of diversity, even though it always doesn't always look like we think it should. Um, so I, I just wonder if she's a little busier now, um, with that type of you know, push going if her demand has increased and what her thoughts are. But um, nothing else I feel like really would have changed. Yeah. Okay. So the first chapter is called White People Are Exhausting. Here, (laughs) Austin highlights the origin of her namesake and how white people expect her to act white in many ways. Austin writes, White people who expect me to be white have not yet realized that their cultural way of being is not, in fact, the result of goodness, righteousness, or God's blessing. Pushing back, resisting the lie is hella work. Let's talk about what she's saying here. So what do you feel like? This is a very long phrase. <laughs> yeah, I like, I need to brighten this up. Like, say um, it again. Okay, so white people who expect me to be white have not yet realized that their cultural way of being is not, in fact, the result of goodness, righteousness, or God's blessing. Mm. pushing back resisting lies hello work Um, so I guess maybe this message of white people thinking they're the chosen people um, that they're that they're God's blessing and for whatever reason everybody else is on the other side of that blessing Mm -hmm. Um, so I I feel like that's kind of what she's saying here Um,
0: yeah my take um, I I think Unfortunately, the biggest irony as a collective, I think black people are aware of this, especially if you grew up in white Christian spaces like we did, is that a lot of times you're fighting this ideology that like my way is right. And then it's like the chosen God way. Mm -hmm. And so pushing back towards like white Christians, like this is extremely problematic in the way that you view this. And that very conservative, like right. Like when you think about like the alt-right, like all of those claims to be so holy um, and so that push back against that culture is like difficult. So this idea that like whiteness, the way you should approach things, things you should do, I feel like she's fighting that all the time. It's like, oh, well, your name itself, she talks about fighting about her name and then mm-hmm. who she is. And then, like who her experiences, how she be, how she should maneuver and move in spaces. Um I feel like she's always trying to, like push against this idea. Of, like, but if you perform this way, um, like, I think it goes back to that moment. When she was talking about how they had, like, their prayer, like, hey, can I pray for you? Yeah. And then, like, the prayer turns into, <laughs> oh, God, help Austin just have more mercy and grace. Yeah. Versus being like, are you praying for me? And you, like, not together? I was like, first of all, that's why you can't let everybody pray over you. Yeah. Because the day I said, see the Lord, no, because I would interrupt interrupted that prayer so fast. Yeah. So that was a very. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. I said, this is why I can't work in these spaces. Mm-hmm. Like, I would tell you straight up, like, the biggest prejudice, hypocrisy, meanness has been from white Christians. Mm Mm-hmm. My my entire existence, like, that's who I'm most fearful of.
1: For sure, definitely. And I think what she talks about in that experience is very something that I'm familiar with. Um, And so it is, she has a couple mentions in the book about just kind of, like, that overall experience. She was giving a conference, and a white man kind of, like, (sighs) got up and shouted and was very aggressive towards her. Um, and she says kind of in the debrief, the conversation t- turned towards how she could have handled it better.
0: Yeah. Like how maybe she could have avoided it. Yeah. Like what?
1: And she said it wasn't until one of the coworkers stepped in. It's like, why is this turning into how she could have done as if he doesn't have accountability for his mm-hmm. actions? Um, You know, the, what she was giving was a sensitive, sensitive quote unquote. I don't know why it is always so sensitive to people, but the talk that she was giving was directed at this experience of racism and, you know, from what I get from a predominantly white audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's he wasn't coming into something that he wasn't expecting there to be that kind I'm of conversation. As yeah. why he so then for him to it to come off as then aggression, um, you know, and the coworkers to not immediately come to her defense, it was just kind of like and Crazy. then she's like, yeah, and if I'd have been a white woman, mm-hmm. dear God, first of all, y'all would have, like, dragged him out. Exactly.
0: Like, they called the police on mm-hmm. him because how dare you. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, well, yeah, Austin, you know, it, did you have to set, make that point? Yeah. It could have been, like, a little, mind you, she's, like, not saying it. If anything, she's, like, using uh, diffusion tactics where mm-hmm. the louder he gets, she talks softer. Like, how you do it with, like, an irate child. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to talk this way and hopefully it calms you down. Because see, me and him would have went toe to toe.
1: Yeah, so that was like (laughs) she was like, "Thank God for that coworker," because it was like, it was only until they said something that everybody's like, "Oh no, no, we didn't mean it that way." But it was like, not everybody bad pedaling fast. But but then had she stepped up and been like why is this becoming about me it would have been well you're not taking ownership yeah you're not taking responsibility so it, she had to have that other person and she talks about head. that
0: like at work one incident like a white woman she gave us talking like everybody she was like nervous of course but everybody just staring And the white woman was like oh i think austin means da, da, da. Yeah. they're like oh yes yes <laughs> And she was like i just said that but you needed like the white boys to validate mm-hmm. your point Very Mm -hmm. much so reminds me of, like, slave narratives, like, before every slave narrative was a white person writing a prologue, like, and this is the best man I've ever met. And he's going to tell you all about abolition. And so this is why you should agree with the text. It's like, oh, as long as a white person validates me, I'm good.
1: Yep. So uh, she does a great job of, like, making that known. I mean, we all feel it. Um, and so it's great to like hear that like everybody has this experience. Yeah. I'm not the only one that feels like this every time I'm in a room, you know. And you think to yourself like, am I being sensitive or mm-hmm. is this really happening? And it is. And a lot of times it's so ingrained in them that they don't even realize it's horrible that they're that they're doing it. And you know, although everybody should work to be and do better, it's like. If you don't recognize that it's an issue, you're not going to change it. No, ever. You've convinced yourself that like, no, no, I'm not intentionally doing this because that person is black. That idea, I just don't like that idea or whatever. And so you try to like make excuses for it. And it's like, it's crazy. And then then even towards the end of the book where she talks about how people would walk up to her at the end of her presentations and like. (sighs) The white guilt. Yeah. And like provide all this like, I feel so bad one time. You know, and give all these, like, one confessions. One time I said the words. word, she's like, first of all, I'm not your priest. Thank you.
0: I'm not obligated to share this experience and how she, like, flips it back. So what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, because it was like, you then, want like, me burden. to, like, accept what you've done as if I'm being, forgiving you on the behalf of all black people. Yeah,
0: because one black is all the blacks. Exactly. So, oh, well, this black woman forgave me, so mm-hmm. I'm okay.
1: And then I'm not a psychologist.
0: I'm not your counselor. Why should I have to embody? Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you know how heavy that is? First of all, the fact it was a line at the church. I said, this is why. (laughs) And then like the other worship team leader, like I just came to think about Jesus. How did I get in the black line? Yep. Yep. That's what it is.
1: (laughs) You you hold the responsibility of every black they've ever met. Ever. But my nanny was black and I loved her. (sighs) It's ridiculous. It's I'm just like, oh, my God, she lives my life. It's
0: my life. And I can't. I cannot. I told y'all should gather my edges.
1: Yes. So in college, Austin took a trip with other students. That mm-hmm. was a three day journey down the down to the south, exploring black history. It was an extremely hard trip. On the ride back, the black students talked about their anguish, while the white students tried to distance themselves from it. But one white student said, "Doing nothing is no longer an option for me." Let's talk about this and how it can be applied. You know, to those that you may encounter, those around you. You know, how can that mentality become better adopted? I think the first thing, like,
0: we were just saying, like, how she flips it back. Okay, so you was racist, and mm-hmm. you acknowledged that. So what are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. Like, flipping the ownership back. Like, my job is not to appease and to sage your guilt. Stop. But I can say, okay, you had that experience, so what you going to do? Yep. So making people accountable for their own stuff, I think is really important. Read it again. How can we... Anything? Yeah, read the question.
1: Basically, how can we apply that to how can others adopt that same mentality? Oh,
0: and I just think, too, like, um, I cannot remember the author, and I feel bad because I like to give people that credit. But he writes about being anti-racist. And so this idea of, like, I'm not a racist. Okay, but are you Mm anti-racist? Are you intentional about the things you check? You know, are you that passive person? Like you might not make the racist jokes, but are people comfortable saying the racist jokes to you? Mm -hmm. You might not do that. But like, do you check your family members when it's just the white people in the room at Thanksgiving? So I think a lot of that is really important. Clearly, everybody doesn't want to do the race, the racism work. But if you're going to come to me with it, I'm going to give you real life tools and not make you feel better. Because if you're not anti, then you, you know, what's the point? Yeah, it's the white sure. moderate that King talks about. Like I'm not talking about the Klansman. I'm not. I'm talking about y'all who sit up real pretty and won't say anything. Mm-hmm. You'll say, "Oh, you're sensitive. Oh, whatever." So I think making people accountable is really important. And I think even on your own end, like,
1: you know, yeah. So all it's super important. I mean, you can't really make. We won't ever be able to no. make other people feel like that, but for people who truly, if you want to, want to know, you know, like Brittany said, even her getting a story about like we talk about the Indian lady at work. I'm like, <laughs> what? That's what they said in the story. <laughs> no, I know. I'm saying I was literally <laughs> like, listening. Yeah, like, girl, like, what do you want to do this?
0: But you know, sometimes, and she doesn't know that we talk about her.
1: What? It's just I'm just like I can't, I can't. <laughs> but yeah, so not being comfortable having those conversations about other people um being an advocate for people even you know i think advocating like if you see the black woman is being mistreated at work and not being allowed be the advocate for that Mm -hmm. you know if you're if you have a voice that's heard and that's respected and understood then you speak up um you could be the difference in making sure things happen differently like the the pro- program planner that she was talking about, yeah. how I was saying she, she recognizes that she intentionally or un- unintentionally quote, quote unquote, unquote. <laughs> mm. um, you know, there was a disparity between the black speakers, black female speakers and the white female speakers. And her response to that was like, well, what are you going to do differently? You know, you could pay the black speakers more, black female speakers more. You could allow them more speaking time. Mm-hmm. You know what, instead of you just saying you have guilt about it, make changes to make that different. Um, so, you know, you have to decide in, in the space that you're mm. in, how can I make a bigger impact? You know, even if it's one person that you work with at work, um, nominating that person because you know, they deserve employee of the quarter, or employee of the year, whatever. Yeah. Um, because they might not get that nomination from everyone else. So yeah. I think from whatever, whatever vantage point, up, Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: because, like, even the point that she made, she was like, I wish I was a black girl who gonna clap back, who mm-hmm. gonna give you the business that you are afraid to say something. But she's like, I'm not. That's not my nature. But then she realized that, but I can write and I can speak about it, mm-hmm. you know. So in my lane, there's a way to advocate. Like, so I think that's what becomes the powerful part of her book. Like, we all... You might be the clapback shit, like, and I speak up the moment you say it because you can get this work. Mm -hmm. But you might the person that writes the essays or the poems or that teaches the class or writes music or sings a song. So I think everybody has the lane that they're in to like speak against stuff, and I think that Mm -hmm. in itself is super powerful and saying like, yeah, not on my watch. And then knowing when you want to advocate, not, and, and I think too. I think she makes a really good point. Like our job is not to have to be the teachers of all the white people. Mm-hmm. Cause she said, you know, she realized like even in her work to like fight racism, it was still sitting around white people. Like, yeah. and I remember feeling like that, like, Oh, well let me just help the one white person that wants to know, but you become exhausted being their teacher. So mm-hmm. I talk about it when I want to talk about it. And if I don't, that's my right to just live my
1: happy black life. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can't take on the burden of everyone else. No. And if you truly want, to learn that person, it's so many different. books, it's so many sources, yeah, podcasts, videos. Yeah. Go, go,
0: use that. I'm not gonna exactly. be. I'm gonna get paid for that.
1: Yeah, and it's people who really spend their time studying and understanding the terminology. Yeah, can articulate and the, psychology the around of it, like i'm not that person i'm not (laughs) and
0: i'm not and then you're you're gonna pay me my time and effort and if i am that person it's like your friend who's a therapist and you'd be like girl let's just do free yeah no exactly or your friend is a doctor like oh girl come come do a checkup at the Mm -hmm. house gnosis come to this doctor appointment run this insurance (laughs) so i get paid like no you don't just get to freely suck my brain power out exactly i for sure like the guy who didn't want to go to her um Remember she had like those talks and he went to one and he didn't go back but he wanted yeah. to harass at work. She was like, oh, you can come back to class." Yeah, and like because at work I'm not <laughs> gonna do a free session with you. Exactly. He's like, "Yeah." So she was like, "Okay." Yeah. Let me go get coffee because maybe you will stop talking.
1: Um. So a lot of white people seem surprised that racism exists. <laughs> Austin said there's a danger in believing niceness disproves the presence of racism, which Mm. showcases an ignorance of how racism operates in systems and structures enabled by nice people. She writes, sadly, most white people are more worried about being called racist Mm -hmm. than about whether or not their actions are, in fact, racist or harmful. Mm -hmm. Let's discuss this. This lady (laughs) who claims that she didn't know that slavery... What did she say? She didn't she, realize. Oh my gosh. She's like, I didn't realize, <laughs> like. What? I did she, what said? she said that it was like
0: involuntary. Right. She's like, I just thought it happened, but I didn't realize, like, it, it was happened to people. I was yeah. like,
1: what? I was like, there is no way. Like, what did you think happened? An happen? adult, in a, a, a born and bred American adult, does not realize that racism is it's a a not a choice. It's a choice to be ignorant. This is what I'm saying. It's like, did you not. Do education like where did you go to school? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like there are atrocities that happen in the world that I may not may not know extreme specifics about, but I know it happened, and I know it wasn't a choice. It's like do it you really mind. truly believe I even in even if you've never sat down and had a true educational session about right, slavery, you're like oh they just wanted the work. I don't understand. You know slavery was a horrible thing. Do you really think people voluntarily came <laughs> over here to be beat? Killed, mistreated, raped, and we're like, okay, this is my. But I think it goes to
0: what the how the tour guide and he was like, well, they weren't beat down like the others. These were the happy slaves. Like
1: what? None of them bled picking (laughs) cotton in the sun. I was like, oh, because they was out there singing Dixie. But this is, I'm like, who? own is where your grandparents out here because this has been y'all plantation and you're trying to make this a happy story you're not really <laughs> here for history you're trying to which make blows this my like... mind
0: because then we'll talk about the holocaust we'll talk about the way mm-hmm. the irish retreated the potato famines we'll talk about classism and and britain and like the vikings losing their culture to like wayward christianity and everybody understands that mm-hmm. but somehow when it gets to slavery it's like i don't oh i i'm like how are you so lost how Everybody are you so lost? Minute. Like, I was like, I can acknowledge atrocities that happened in other cultures and times and how horrible it was for those people. Mm-hmm. Why does this confuse you?
1: To this day. Baffled. Baffled. To this day.
0: Which is more confusing because when you think about certain groups, because they were not WASP, white Anglo Saxon Protestants, and how they were forced into plantation spaces with us, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, so y'all memory short? Very, y'all remember short sure? because it was a plethora of y'all that was in an in indentured servanthood like next to the slaves. so y'all gonna exactly. pretend that didn't happen oh okay
1: and this statement really goes along with what we kind of just finished talking about that it's like just because you're a nice person does not mean <sighs> girl, you're, you're, you're doing anything to stop the are perpetual you... cycle of I racism
0: I, I happen to notice that you're the only person of color are you okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like
0: girl what then then she was like while I appreciate that, I was the only white person black person on the bus, yeah. in the school, at work, but somehow at this restaurant, now you noticed it. And she was like, now nah, I gotta be nice to this lady because my ability to be like, look shit. Now all of a sudden she's defensive mm-hmm. and that same nice white person can be dangerous if they're, you know, offended. Because as long as I challenge or push back, and I was like, "Well, why are you doing that? I'm just trying to help you." Yeah. Like, um, I love the movie Malcolm X. Denzel whole body that. So there's a moment where the white girl walks up and she was like, "I just want to help Mr. X. Anything that you could do for the movement?" He's like, "Yeah, ain't nothing for you to do." Um, uh-uh. and I used to be like, "Oh my god, that's mean," but now I'm like, "Ain't nothing for you to do." Yeah. Because it you're just as dangerous because. If you're threatened to tears, if I say it in a mean way, if Mm -hmm. you feel guilty,
1: you a whole threat to the movement. Yeah, like the thing she was talking about, like people feeling threatened by you wanting to eat alone and not spending time with them. Like you were headphones, exactly. (laughs) The headphones, like like, everybody went headphones. I'm just like, oh my god. (laughs) It's like being her being late for work, and it's like that all of a sudden being a thing when it's like. Mary had to drop her son off and she yeah. was late but it's like I'm late and it's like you're irresponsible and you yeah it's like everything is just blown to this now like, nah, I realize
0: all of y'all are clocking me you're watching exactly. me exactly I wear I, I watch Johnny and Sue wear headphones all the time mm-hmm. and it's like oh well they're meditating but you're just zoning out and she was like what
1: yeah so it's one of those things where you can't make mistakes. you always have to appear nice to avoid them feeling like you're being aggressive yeah, and it's like which is a minstrel show, yeah so and it's also I mean and it's difficult because it's, it's like you want to decide that you don't want to do things just to make other people feel better, but you also have to work in an environment with these people so it's yeah. like it's like a balance where you don't really know what the right thing is to do you want to feel comfort, you want to decompress eat by yourself at lunch and they take that as you being standoffish and then I'm just trying to be your friend.
0: And then what's harder is if you just remain in like this co-worker space but then it's the audacity to email the boss about you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm concerned. Remember she said she got an email the boss called her in and was like yeah. Um, so I got word that you were, you know, somebody felt offended mm-hmm. or come but she was like wait what?
1: And then instead of the boss kind of like looking through that and thinking is this worthy of me to- I'm like, how's this a boss's conversation?
0: Do you not have a job? Because yeah. a boss, there's no way I'm dealing with that. With my students, I don't deal with that. How can you handle this before you bring me in?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is this a teacher moment? It's not. Exactly. I said, this is not real. that you brought me in because somebody felt offended? I think that was over the hair.
1: Hmm.
0: She's like, don't do that.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's like you can't. You're an exotic
0: other. I say, not a zoo.
1: You can't touch somebody without asking. And even if you ask and I say, no, you also can't be offended by that at all like you you propose the question you have to be prepared for whatever the answer is and you move on and you can't be sensitive to that
0: and that's the white fragility Mm -hmm. because what we don't have time to do is Karen to cry at lunch and because the boss sees her as a sister now it's like oh well you know i think you can understand the culture and be a little more understanding we're a family here yeah but i'm the mammy cut it out
1: (laughs) i want to read this um Poem by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. She Mm, talks about this. Yes, she talks about this in the book. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. It's not very long. So we wear the mask by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. We wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. This debt we pay to human guile, 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 which one? G-U-I-L. Guile. Guile. said it right the first time. Disregard anything else. (laughs) With torn and bleeding hearts we smile and mouth with mirrored subtleties. Why should the world be overwise in counting all our tears and sighs? Nay, let them only see us while we wear the mask. We smile, but oh great Christ, our cries. To thee from tortured souls arise. We sing, but oh the clay is vile. Beneath our feet and long the mile. But let the world dream otherwise. We wear the mask. So she refers to that poem a couple different times. So she Mm -hmm. first reads the poem, We Wear the Mask, um, in high school, and in English class. Yeah, she had a dope teacher. Yeah. So, have you know? Have you read that prior to this book? Yeah. Okay. So you had already. It. I've never read it. Um, what do you feel like he was trying to convey, and how does the poem resonate with you? So definitely, it just really—it's a perfect poem for this book mm-hmm. because it's the epitome of the experience of what we do. I mean, J. Cole has a line: yes, um, "Niggas in the hood <laughs> is the best." Actor. Yes, I was going there. Yes. So we have to live in this world where we show up for the nine to five. Mm -hmm. We wear this mask in order to just dumb ourselves down enough to get through the day, Mm -hmm. hide ourselves enough to not offend other people, to not be too boisterous, you know, all those stereotypes that they think of us. And we come home after that eight, 10, 12 hour day and get to be our true selves. Six hours, and, and every day sleep. have to do that again. Mm-hmm. And even in public spaces, it's like you have to minimize yourself to not come off threatening to avoid issues happening, people calling nine one one, police showing up. It's like that mask that you're forced to wear all the time. And even when you're in your own space with other black people, people are threatened by that and call police. When you're at your own home, <laughs> you're at the house doing your own thing. <laughs> I and think it's, it's like, a drug ring. Exactly. Um,
0: Nah, definitely. I had to, well, I studied English and more specifically FM Lit. So I read it like undergrad, grad school, maybe high school, I don't remember. But I remember like it resonating with me because I was in such white spaces so often. Like that was something I felt like I had to do all the time. Michael Eric Dyson talks about the freedom of being in black spaces. So like Mm -hmm. there's almost like a freedom there was like more of a freedom to be a field slave in a sense of like you only with your people in the house, you had to pretend yeah. in a different way. um, Not downplaying any part, but just like just the psychology of it. And he talks about like growing up in the hood, like it's just us. Like mm-hmm. um, Dave Chappelle talks about that. Like when you like finally like moved out, you'd like, hold on, this is how they see me in the hood. Everybody was struggling. um, And so like this idea of like going into these spaces that are like dangerous, like mm-hmm. at least with my own people, like that's how I feel at work. Like, I feel at work like how white people feel. My frustrations are just being frustrated. Y'all get on my nerves, but it's not like racial. Mm-hmm. And like, that's my biggest fear of like moving out of that space. Where I'm like, oh God, you gotta go back to these spaces where you're literally worried about like microaggressions at work. That is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Especially we just dealing with the things of work. Like right now, literally that's my experience. I'm just like, there's a freedom in that of knowing like, I literally have white people work problems. Like, oh, she gets on my nerves. Oh, my boss makes me do this. Oh, blah, blah, blah. But it's not like, yeah, somebody went on, you know, to talk about you. Somebody did all these things. So this mass is so real. Um, I think about the professor. I cannot remember her name. But she was being like denied tenure, like Harvard or something crazy. And she opted to go to Howard. And all of a sudden, like when people found out, it was like, oh, I'll give you tenure. She's like, no, I'm going to take my talents to Howard, you know, and just being like. Yes, I could work Ivy League and they might be able to provide me more resources, but I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, her, you know, Brianna talks about this, like, exhaustion, like, over time, like, what does that do? Even, um, I don't know if anybody follows Girls Trek, but they're, like, a black not-for-profit and it's, like, two women, start by two women and they have this thing of, like, getting out for, like, health and wellness or whatever. But they have, like, these different talks. And one of them talk about, like, all of these black women who were um basically, like, our foremothers and how, like, a lot of them died early. And, like, this exhaustion of, like, leading the movement or just, you know, what does it look like, years of stress, Mm -hmm. how it's connected to, like, heart disease, like, all these different things. And the reality is it's not going anywhere. At the end, she talks about this shadow of hope. Like, yeah, that hope thing kind of died. I was like, ooh, it's deep. But when you think about it, like, I'm not hopeful that it's going to magically get better. Like, I think about where we are now as a culture. We're, like, polarized. Like, I thought stuff was better, and then it's like, Wait, don't say that it's in school. Don't teach this. If the white children are uncomfortable, it's problematic. You're looking mm-hmm. at governors that try to police stuff. Let's put cameras in classrooms. Let's make teachers turn in lesson plans. Like you're literally looking at our leaders that get on public platforms. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Bad things happen. Get over it and stop making white people feel bad. Mm-hmm. I'm like in 2022.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: A bit facts.
1: So um, we'll do our last kind of discussion and then we'll give any like last thoughts that we have Um so in the chapter on creative anger Austin shares that she has become intimate with her anger how does listening to the anger of people of color honor their dignity so that's important I think what Brittany was kind of saying about being able to at least hear the frustrations that people may experience in the workplace Um that's why it's so important I feel like for people in those leadership positions to be just aware. I mean, you're never going to truly understand my experience, but if Mm-mm. you're willing to listen and understand where I'm coming from, like, for instance, the example with the boss, the boss should have come, had her come in and tell her side of whatever situation it was. Because I'm very confused how exactly. the white woman's word that it was it immediately Bible. became something against her when she hadn't heard both sides of the story. And so it was kind of like... Those type of instances where it's like, would you have done that had it been a white on white co-worker issue? Mm-hmm. Probably not. No, you would sit so, them back down. Exactly. You would have done
0: mediation. It would so have it's been like important aggressive. that you're
1: treating, that you're, that you're recognizing those issues within yourself. And it's like, and it's so many people that don't, it's like, you know, middle, upper management is usually always baby boomer. Not always, you know, some of these newer companies, but you know, those, the corporate America that we think about. Juju Baby Boomer, 50s, 45, 65 type age range where it's like a lot of them aren't truly recognizing that. Ingrained racism that they have, just like she talked about, it's like just yeah. like how we have people who survived Jim Crow. Okay, those same people who were same angry, the signs, at like Ruby Bridges, exactly. Those people are still alive. Go back to Africa. I'm like, she's fine. Yeah, what and is wrong like, with you? And they're and they're out here in the world, and they're not the ones living in podunk Mississippi, no. flying their flags. It's like those are the people that you walk back at work who smile at you, but secretly, you know, are angry that you're exactly. there. Exactly, and it's like they've learn how to kind of assimilate into the society because the overt racism isn't really acceptable anymore. But it still but happens. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like you have to be able to recognize those things. And so, you know. But
0: I think even to her point, when she talks about the white guilt line at church, like these aren't old people too. And I think that's a scary part. True, like I That's t- true. Like one lady was in her 30s. Somebody was in mm-hmm. his, like the, he was in his, I've said the N word. And then like the one in her 20s, like, I realize that I'm rich. so like I think that's a part <laughs> of that that's true because these same like baby boomers now have grandkids mm-hmm. and that's the conversation around the dinner table. That's the conversation in the car when you want to bring the black friend home mm-hmm. when you take pictures when they look at NFL or NBA players with white women. Like you just know that there's like this anger. And once again, America never deals with
1: her issues. And
0: so it doesn't go away magically Mm because we just allow it to fester and brew and it pops back up.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously recognizing the anger as part of dignity is, is just really. It's so necessary. That's true to anybody. Yes. It's like how we're deciding we may parent. We want to parent different than our parents. You know, acknowledging a child when they've gone through something, realizing that anger isn't always a sign of defiance, but frustration and things yeah. like that, and so yeah, I, that same, Christ. yeah, like, so that
0: same scenario. I'm going to lose these cages. I'm going to get this whip, and so there is. I think what's really problematic is only white people allow righteous anger, mm-hmm. like when they talk about the Revolutionary War. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and they tried to tax us without representation, <laughs> and we
1: flip stuff over.
0: Yeah, and we burned stuff against King George but when we do it it's like you're out of control yeah. blah blah and you look at these same white people that I forgot whatever the football player was when he got like released or whatever remember Ooh. like the pedophile thing came out and it was like molested hmm. <laughs> he wasn't doing it but like his assistant coach was
1: oh and they I, were I like remember that they the were team. flipping
0: cars yeah. they were like burning stuff like rehire him so, they was like, you knew stuff, but you didn't speak on it. Like, you had these boys coming for a camp. You got this assistant coach coming into the showers and the lockers, touching on people's I children. Can't, I can't. And, much. like, literally the town was, like, in a full protest. And I'm just like, wait, y'all gonna tell the city for that?
1: Because they want the racist, the rapist? The rapist man. <laughs> yeah.
0: And... God forbid we fight for our rights or children mm-hmm. dying.
1: Just like the comparisons between the Black Lives Matter um protests and like the Trump protests and things like that and how the comparison okay. is always how out of control they were and like the police showing up with the gas masks and all things like that but it's like though uh, police waved at some of those Trump supporters. They like let them in. Yeah so it's like you know. They're the climbing the comparison.
0: walls of like I think that day was literally like <sighs> It's so hard to describe watching January 6th happen live. Mm -hmm. I literally was working YMCA and we were virtual. And literally we paused curriculum to like let the kids watch. Mm -hmm. Like what is happening in this country that like, I'm like, are we watching people climb the wall.
1: To this day. It's still low key. It is very low key.
0: It's so low key. I'm like, wait, so ain't nobody going to shoot.
1: So like in passing, I hear some of the, some of the, um, I don't know. What do we call them? I'm not calling them protesters. Uh, they call we them, we like, them? insurrection okay, or yes. whatever.
0: Them. But it took Some them to say insurrection. They had to, like, well, let's really look up the definition. Yeah, I'm like, who gonna climb the White House walls and, like, the senators are, like, hiding on their lives. Yes, that was, like, insanity. <laughs> and then they tried to, like, fight about the, <laughs> the woman who died. Like,
1: how dare you shoot? <sighs> I said, if y'all don't then they anyone. wanted to, like, tell us about her story. I'm she sorry, story, but...
0: Because mm, that's what Channing Brown says, like... The Klansman. Everybody knows somebody. Like, well, he's really nice. So is a man who's strong grandma <laughs> on the tree. Like yeah. everybody knows someone is nice. Like, that's not enough for me to champion
1: you because you have a family. Exactly. Everybody got a family. Exactly. So, you know, just the and it's more just I think the Austin Channing Brown book, I don't I love that she doesn't try to like propose any like life changing thing because she Mm-mm. realizes this is something that's like yeah. Like she literally We're ends out shadow. This. I'm in the yeah. shadows of hope. Exactly. So, <laughs> I'm like, but I'm so hopeful. Yeah. But as a black female American, I feel like I just, it's great to hear somebody else talk about these yeah, things. Validation. Yeah. Validate the experiences that we have. Um, and, and I think for that, it's a great book. So I enjoyed, it. it's a great read. I think everybody yeah. should read it once. Yeah. It's definitely sure. worth
0: a read. Bitfacts. I would
1: say 4.5 out of five. Yeah. She did. Uh, she did a great job. So, support Austin Channing Brown. ACB. Follow her on Instagram. um, And definitely read the book if you haven't already. Come back in. You know, play this episode again. Have some dialogue with friends. There's a lot of great, like, um, book guides out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to take it a little slower... And they have, like, weak book guides on her website. She actually has a book guide.
0: And if any of the racists in your life ask you for a book recommendation. Thank you. Tell them that. this. Be like, oh, this great book is called I'm Still Here. Austin Channing Brown. Mm-hmm. You might know them. Keep the pronoun plural.
1: You might know them. Thank you. Let them be so shocked. Support Austin so she and could all drop the great work she's on them. doing in this world. <sighs> I don't know how she do it in a way. I would be stressed.
0: Baby, I would have been them credit the white Christians Thank right you. where they was. Thank you i think for me i just don't have the patience for like you to mess up jesus too Mm -hmm. if i had to deal with crazy white people i'm not playing with you in the lord Mm -hmm. i already say you're atheist but it don't be the atheist the atheist be understanding it'd be the one it'd be the christian Mm -hmm.
1: so for next month for april we are getting into another book um, Good DJ. so this book is by Beverly Jenkins mm. welcome home Roscoe Jenkins Okay. Beverly um, has so many books out there in yes, the world she is a
0: pretty much a black romance yes. which is a rare genre best
1: selling author um, she, does she a lot has historical. a website so check out Beverly um, Beverly Jenkins is the recipient of the 2017 romance writers mm. of the American America Nora Roberts Lifetime Achievement Award, as well as the 2016 Romantic Times Reviewers' Choice Award for Historical Romance. She has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in Literature, was featured both in the documentary Love Between the Covers, hmm, I don't know that documentary, and CBS Morning Show, CBS Sunday Morning. Since the publication of Night Song in 1994, she has been leading the charge for multicultural romance and has been constant darling of reviewers, fans, and her peers alike, garnering accolades for her work from the likes of the Wall Street Journal, People Magazine, and NPR. So Beverly Jenkins has a plethora Plethora. of books if you are interested in reading them, but we will be reading Rare Danger. Danger! (sighs) Danger! So this book... Very I think this might be her newest book because it was published November 2021. Mm. Um let us know if she's have anything to since then. I would have to look, but I'm not sure. Uh so let's go ahead and read a little bit about Rare Danger. So for Jasmine Ware, curating books for an exclusive clientele is her passion. Until an old friend, a dealer of rare books, goes missing and his partner is murdered. Mm. Linked to an artifact smuggled out of the ancient library at timbuktu Mm. the mystery draws jasmine deeper into a plot that could cost her her life air force veteran and private security ace tor noble is accustomed to adrenaline pumping stakes he never escaped a private librarian he never expected sorry a private librarian would be so intriguing Mm. but jasmine is full of surprises as the connection comes between them burns hot Mm. A powerful old enemy raises his head. Tor and Jasmine must work together to find the missing dealer. Will the search be the start of a happily ever after Ooh. or a disastrous end? Mm. So Rare Danger is available on uh, Audible. Okay. If you want to do the audiobook, or you can go and purchase or rent the hard copy. So that is our book. Uh, And our wine or our Mm. bubbly will be from the Brown Estates, um, which is in Napa Valley. So brownestate.com is our website. They also have a social media platform. Um, So the story says we established a Brown Estate label officially in 1996 when we harvested what would become our first bottling of Brown Zin. In January 2000, we debuted our first three vintages at the annual SAP. Uh, grand grand tasting in san francisco fast forward to august 2021 when we bottled bottled our 25th vintage in the Mm -hmm. meantime our business has grown slowly but surely as our brand has gained increasingly broad exposure to an extraordinary extraordinarily diverse audience thanks to word of mouth and they have irl in real life and on social media to make our wines and hospitality experience more accessible in 2017, we opened our Brown downtown tasting room on the Resurgent First downtown. Street corridor and the heart of downtown Napa. So I think Brown is the first. Y'all, I think they said it was the first winery. Um black winery. Okay. Um in Napa. Uh their social media, their Instagram is Brown Estate. And so, yes, they say Napa's first black owned estate winery. So, they have a pretty nice social media. So, we will be drinking the Chaos I'm drinking, Theory. I'm drinking. So, the Chaos Theory is a 2016, um, brilliant dark magenta core with ruby rim, lively nose of ripe Rainier cherries, black blackberry compote. I don't know what it is wrong.
0: Is that compo? yeah maybe
1: c-o-m-p-o-e-t-e i can read um, winter spice and <laughs> heavy yeah. cream leads to asian apple and meyer lemon followed by dark chocolate tiramisu and fresh baked croissant brioche oh, is this all in one wine apparently it's a chaos theory oh Time it's the a glass, whole lot as chaotic I remember in the, the Rapper? glass
0: mm-hmm. yes you do from Ricky. Um, He was chaotic. Oh, the
1: one with the tea. (laughs) Time in the Glass brings forth rose petal potpourri, tea rose perfume, brandy cherries, and heavy whipping cream, silky mouthfeel, medium-bodied yet markedly vibrant. Over time, the integration of its splendid components will make this wine to revisit again and again. Each bottle revealing a dimension as it evolves. Drink now until 2030. Um, so this is available at Total Wine. Uh, it's a little pricier than what we've done in the past. I think it's like $39. Mm. Okay. This is a birthday wine. <laughs> <laughs> so go out and get the Chaos Theory. It has like great reviews. Let me
0: find I Need to Be Chaotic. Thank you.
1: So we're going to try this. I, I might feel rich okay. next month. I ain't but I'm the problem. I don't you need. got money. Thank you it's like liquor prices so I'm excited to do some chaos theory in a little rare danger I've never I've never actually read a book by Beverly Jenkins so I'm new to this
0: not true to this mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. I feel like maybe I've read one but I have a friend she always advocates she's like y'all
1: should do a Beverly yeah. Jenkins okay baby Bev. where my Bev y'all want to be friends with her do you is that a I mean I kind of do she just looks very auntie Okay, I'm excited. I'm excited. So that was it. Austin Channing left us just feeling empowered because, you know, we should all advocate for each other. We don't have to stand there. If you have a job where you feel like you're being constantly microaggressed, leave.
0: And then I think she does really good with, like, the steps to do so. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just jump at. Like, there's a way. Um, And I think she makes a really good point. Like, black women, we can't just be like, uh, forget this job. Like, <laughs> no, you still have bills. Thank you. So there is a way to, like, make sure you know, like, the ideals of the company, the diversity. And if they're not doing it, and then you can plan your strategic exit or mm-hmm. either strategic placement if you think that change can actually happen. So yeah. I do like the fact that she's like, don't drop. You can't just drop the mic. Like, we mm-hmm. got to pay bills. But you can know if this is a company that authentically believes in the diversity or the practices. And if you want to remain and if you don't want to remain, then like Brianna says, let's think about transitioning. Yeah, and life you is got one short. Life. One. Life is
1: so short. You do not have to get up every day. And hate your existence. Exactly, Because work is so, in America, work is such a big part of what we do. We spend you can. more time at work than we do at home.
0: Exactly. And kind of how she talks about it. And the Holy Spirit going to be there.
1: Exactly. And it guides you. So leap out on faith. Okay. I leaped. She just drunk. I, I had to I go. Okay. And if this is the call you need to say, hey. Hey. If you going to work every day, you if crying on you your way. <laughs> you praying in the spirit because you like, Lord, I don't think I'm going to make it through. Leave. Leave. It's time. And it's even time. if you have to take a small pay cut. Small. 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 Don't go broke If now. you have to do it for happiness, Sanity, it'll come together. It'll come together. So. Somebody
0: might need to change their prayer quest tonight. We are here to tell you to change your prayer request and talk to the Father. You hear what I say to you? Get you some saints that know how to pray. They can walk you through the process. And you might need to vet your situation. Okay. I don't know how. Why is it the Negro spiritual, though? <laughs>
1: because you was talking. I was oh, is a prayer? I was giving you a piano. Ever. <laughs> oh Has anybody oh, ever been
0: a prayer meeting? Because there's always a mother in the church praying. that does that.
1: <laughs> Y'all, when I was a girl, I was like, "Why is prayer meeting a thing?" I still kind of felt like, "Why was that. it so long?" <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I can't be in an hour and a half. For it a- didn't feel. Out- I can't be in. A- I- and I've been thinking, how do older people just a- talk about older people like I'm not? But like, how do they just sit there for an hour and a half and I tell? I can <laughs> I'm do a like, 30 do minute people- prayer mom age and I get bored. <laughs> but don't they put themselves through stuff that's just like this is the worst thing I've ever been through. <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i do have pregnant trauma but i could do 30
0: so <laughs> okay, if we get there 30 maybe i'm not doing an hour. there's prayer. no need for prayer to this be longer than saying. 30 minutes if it's longer this than that in the corporate saying. setting i don't know I'm, i i've and i'm are yeah. we doing verses bible verses in between it gotta be something
1: because y'all just starting to preach yourself at this I point i to be a better mama y'all i gotta raise a child <laughs> in, the, in the lord and i yeah, want to say this a prayer prayer. With her. Um, we pray not you minutes. don't have to
0: though I think what I The biggest thing I've learned Cause I don't have the focus To pray that long But what's been powerful for me Is doing like many prayers Throughout the day Yeah Because I, I went mean, into the end i real meaning Cause me and God Had to talk periodically Frequently I'm like lord I um, be needing little I'm quick vibes really I can't really do nothing For extended periods of time Yeah cause I'm all over the place And the I devil know. uses me Yeah I start thinking about All things inappropriate Yeah Okay Well not <laughs> inappropriate For like life of prayer um, Like Sorry, anything, God.
1: but <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we got might have got too real. We're excited. Please join us. Please order from Drizzly, y'all. It's too much stuff coming up for y'all not to be using our link. Thank you for Drizzly. You got one job. Thank you. Get on this mango scotto. Support support Earl. Um. Yeah. The He'll mango scotto drink told. safely. Ew. <sighs> that what he did. And I did it too. God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Ew. And that's it. Okay, I think we're done. Yeah, please step away from the mic. It's not just us. It's E forty. Okay, just go ahead, y'all. She got dressed in her, and she don't know how to act. Yeah, what's the
1: other song we saw? So like Oh, gasoline
0: was that E forty?
1: And what's mine? What's mine is my my niggas smoke gasoline. Eh, eh. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> Yeah, that song raised
0: me. Okay. My husband hate when I say stuff so, raising me. Because everything raised it her. Raised you would think she lived on the streets.
1: Girl, this my identity. Are you about to play something? I'm about to play Gasoline for us to go out. <sighs> Somebody want to hear it. Somebody okay. Like, Dang, I hope she play it.
0: Okay. We're going to let this happen. But you and know bubbles. Gasoline want to come It's up. Women's History Month, so you got to go to YouTube for certain stuff. Don't be, don't be bougie. She want to go to Apple for everything.
1: Hey, uh, uh,
0: You got to hold it uh, closer to the mic. <laughs>
1: Eh, 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 Shout eh, out to Earl Stevens eh, eh, Our K-K-A-E wine sponsor E40. for today Y'all he need to sponsor us he Right Earl and tell him send us some Tropicado We trying to have the um, yeah. tropical infusion Shout out Cause we tip Hey, eh, <laughs> Come on e people Where we at go on stay and uh, forget uh, your jizz uh, on uh, Trying to at a red Go down black for the all right, y'all. We'll see you
0: next month. All right, good people. Woo! Enjoy the rest of your Women's History Month. It's arrived.